everybody, welcome to the Mental Toughness and Body Show. My name is Rob Evans and I'm your body transformation coach, health strategist and internationally published author, helping take your life and your business, your health, fitness, mindset and body from where you are right now to where it is that you want to be. Today, I want to talk to you about mental toughness. I think it's appropriate given we are on the Mental Toughness and Body Show and uh, you can probably hear, I apologize for the noise in the background, I'm in the car, the mobile studio, it's quite hot today, so I've got the air conditioner on, auto, so right now it's, uh, it's blaring, so I've just gotten in after coming back from visiting my daughter in hospital. So let's talk about mental toughness and what it takes to be mentally tough. Sometimes I think uh, the resilience that we, we have as humans has to be built, has to be earned, so that you can achieve the success that you want to. I've never met any highly successful person, I'm talking at the extreme levels of success, that is just mentally tough and has succeeded from the very get-go. Most people's success has been built from failure and that mental toughness is built from failure. It's built against coming from a very, very painful place and learning to respond to it in a way to get more empowered outcomes. People that have things handed to them on a silver platter are not generally mentally tough unless they've had to go through a lot of pain in the process once they were handed whatever it was on the silver platter. For me, I come from a family of mum and dad. I mean, they were able to provide for me. When you're a kid, you don't know what you don't know. So you don't know whether the family is struggling, etc. One of the things that I noticed in my family was that mum and dad weren't good money managers. They didn't have much, man- much money. They, I was brought up in a time when it really was just a single income family. Um, mum and dad couldn't get married unless uh, dad was able to financially provide. And, and like we're talking about in the 50s and then in the 60s when the role of the, the woman was seen, certainly in my my parents' parents' eyes, that uh, mum had to stay at home and raise kids while dad went out and worked a job. Uh, Traditionally stayed in a job from the day that he started to the day of retirement, uh, working pretty much nine till five, and that was just the way of it. Dad worked in a a trade, and that that was his life. And when he retired, Uh, I was uh, doing my accounting degree and I was obviously starting to become more financially astute. Uh, I used to save my pocket money, I didn't use to spend much and I started to do some subjects around personal investment as part of uh, my uni degree and I became really interested because it was about wealth creation and compounding interest and learning how you could make your money work for you and uh, create more than well, basically have your money earn money for you while you were earning extra money. So passive income, if you like. And I was fascinated by these concepts and you're playing with numbers and seeing how, wow, if you just put aside a dollar a day and then you invested it wisely, what did that come up with? And I thought, well, this is really cool. So once I start to earn money, I'm going to put as much away as I can because I didn't really have many needs and I wanted to make myself financially secure because 
as I was going through my uni degree, uh, for whatever reason, mum, dad asked me to have a look at their, their tax situation, particularly dad's, and I found out how much money he earned. And I was surprised and at the same time embarrassed that dad, after working all these years, earned so little money. I, I just didn't understand it. And then I realized that to become financially well-off, to become wealthy, you need to be financially astute. And mum and dad just weren't. They didn't have the skills and they didn't have the passion to learn. Now, the gift that they gave me was this amazing mind to want to grow. And once I got a taste of, say, personal investment and stuff, I just wanted to learn more and more. And so right through my whole life, and including now, I'm looking for ways, how do I build more wealth? How do I surround myself with people that are far wealthier than me and learn from them so that I can build wealth? And for no other reason, I suppose, than, yeah, look, you want to live a, a good life. Uh, I live a, a very good life now. I make good money from my business now. But I guess it's about what you're capable of. And that's where I come to. Now, it's not about the money. It's about what am I capable of. So recently, if you're a long-term listener, you will have heard me uh, talk about how a, uh, I've been approached by another business to uh, join their business and potentially earn uh, way more money than I'm earning at the moment. And there is part of me that says, well, gosh, I should... I should do that because I want to prove to myself that I can use the skills that I've got and adapt them to anything and be highly successful. And that would be great for this podcast to say, look, I went from this to this and look how successful I've become because I'm using the same principles. I'm using my branding, I'm using other skills, my mental toughness to start something from scratch that I've never done before because I know I can do it and be highly, highly successful. So there's a part of me that says, "Mm, yeah, I wanna do that. So um, I'm not doing it at the moment. I I love the business that I'm in and it provides me with the flexibility and I don't have to report to anyone else. So there's there's two sides of any coin. And uh, for me, if I go back to like my parents and I think about, uh, you know, where they, they came from and for me, uh, the, seeing them go through financial, some financial hardship and not really understanding until I saw how little money that they were earning and understanding uh, some of the different conversations that, uh, that they were having and the arguments. I mean, financial distress, distress causes a lot of issues amongst relationships and families. I thought, I never want to be that way. But it was through that that I decided that I wanted to be in a completely different position. I just didn't want to suffer the pain that mum and dad had gone through. And I saw my brother, he wasn't, uh, you know, he started working before me, he should have had way more money than I did, uh, but he was more of a spender as I was more of a saver. And so I've continued doing that uh, to where I am right now. And I think the, the financial distress created a type of mental toughness in me, a type of resilience. Is like, I, I just wanted to earn money as fast as I could. I wanted to be financially independent from mum and dad. I had to make my own decisions and do all that kind of stuff as a young, adult, a young adult. I moved away from home, a few hours away from home, 
down to the capital city here where I am now in Melbourne. I wanted to start my career and just, you know, progress up the ranks. I can remember when I started working, I started on $25,000 a year, which is a really good wage as a graduate uh, external auditor with Coopers and Lybrand as it was back in 1990. I started in February 1990. And I remember when I started that I wanted to get to $100,000. I wanted to earn $100,000. It took me a number of years to get there, but I got there. And that was a big achievement for me. And then it was about accumulating a million dollars of wealth. I wanted to have a million dollars of wealth and then become a multimillionaire and just using the skills that I had. Now, it's probably only been in the last five years, specifically the last three, that I've been super focused on improving myself and becoming more mentally tough. And if I think back to COVID, I mean, we're up to about, I don't know, about 730 episodes now in in this Mental Toughness and Body show. Uh, so I use COVID as a if you like a conduit to start this show because I thought there are so many people that are crumbling during COVID and I found that COVID magnified things for people. I know I've mentioned this before, but if you were having some mental health challenges, then COVID made them worse. If you were on the fringe of having some real issues with your health, uh, whether it be gaining weight, whether it be just poor health decisions, whether it be you know on the cusp of being high blood pressure, cholesterol, etc., then COVID magnified those things. You probably got worse at them. If you were at the cutting edge of your health, uh, like I was, then COVID magnified that. So I became super focused during COVID because a part of me was like, wow, I can see all these people caving in around me, and yet I'm so focused. I want to achieve so much. Isn't that interesting? And my mental toughness came became stronger and stronger because I said, I want to prove to everybody what I am capable of. Not just crumbling around me, being bored, watching Netflix, doing all those sorts of things. I said, no, it's time to double down on what you need to do to be successful during this pandemic, not knowing how long I'm going to be. I mean, there was a point in time uh, here in Melbourne, I mean, we went through six lockdowns more than anyone else in the world. And there was a time when people were like, do we ever get out of this? And of course, logic tells you that if you, even if you're in a war or something like that, of course you will come out of it because we always do. We always get to the other side. We just don't know how long it's going to be. So you've got an opportunity to prove what you're made of, be really, really mentally tough, really strong, really focused, focus on the things that are going to help you adapt, pivot, change during these tough times and on the other side you will come out way better than everybody else so most of the time I spend my time working in that the health and fitness the health and wellness space the the mental toughness space if you like uh, around business coaching and that kind of thing and most of the people in the health and fitness industry in my area capitulated like we went from having something like 93 registered fitness professionals uh, that were registered with Fitness Australia at the time, they've rebranded now to Oz Active. to when we came out of the pandemic, I think it was around 40-something. It's like half the people left the industry. Half the people couldn't hack it. Why? 
because most people that work in the health and fitness industry do not run a professional full-time business. They run it as a hobby. That's the plain and simple truth. Now, I've been doing it for 13 years and I'm still here running strong, getting stronger, being super focused, super energized, pivoting to give great results for people. And so when people Google me, I come up as number one, not because I pay for ads or anything, it's because I've been around the longest and I post consistently. Across my social channels, I became mentally tough-er. I was already mentally tough, but became tougher during COVID. And I think even now, if COVID wasn't the precursor to the drama that my, my poor little girl that I've just left hospital from is going through, she's 15 years old, uh, she has a terminal illness, and we're trying to help her get through I say we, I mean, I'm a single dad, but I co-parent with her mum. I'm trying to find solutions with the doctors, and she's in the top 1% of high-risk patients in the... Um, you know, in the Monash Health System here in Australia. Um, so, you know, she's very high, high risk. Now, I think about what she's going through, and it's, like, you know, I think it's in March, February, March next year, so it's November at the time of recording this. It will be two years. And it would be very easy to have capitulated by now. Like, her mum, this isn't a criticism, this is an observation. Uh, to illustrate my point, her mum is really battling. So I have to take the four phone, when she's in hospital, I'm a daughter, I have, there's four phone calls a day. I have to take them all from the nurses and the doctors uh, because it's a trigger for her mum. Uh, I, I have to take her to hospital each time, uh, which is very distressing because it's under emergency services, the only way I can get her to hospital. Uh, very distressing, can last anywhere from 12 hours to I'm going to say 40 plus hours. So I've got a hair in my mouth. There we go. Um, so very distressing. Uh, my adrenaline le- levels um, are very high during those times for extended periods of time. So I suffer from uh, some adrenaline fatigue, some emotional fatigue, obviously, the day after. People keep checking in on me, like the doctors and nurses and stuff, the emergency services. They just don't know how it's possible for me to keep doing it. And even now, like I have so much respect from the doctors and nurses when I go in now because I'm unstoppable. And yet, when we go back even, you know, six months, four months, probably even three months, I've had so many doctors, uh, not so much nurses, but social workers, psychologists, psychiatrists actually blame me for what my daughter's going through because I work in the health and fitness industry. They blame me. Now, I've never gotten aggro at them, never done any of that. Why? Because I know it comes from their shortcomings, not mine. It's like, I'm the mentally tough one. They don't know me. Anyone that says that has never come to me and asked me what I do and how I do it. They just base it all on assumptions and clearly, if I do this, then therefore you must be doing this. You must be having conversations to this. I mean, the insinuation that there has been some 
inappropriate behaviour from me with my daughter as well. Uh, it, it could make you see red. I mean, we've been uh, sent to family services because they believed that there were some high, you know, some high concerns that they had about our daughter. Now, why are they doing that? It's because of their shortcomings, because of their lack of mental toughness, if you like, their lack of courage to come and ask me and have conversations. Uh, they've never made any accusations against their mum, all against me. And yet I know that it's just water off a duck's back because they cannot find the solution. It's because my daughter does not fit in to the, the round hole, if you like. She's a square peg trying to fit in a round hole. It doesn't work. And I've been trying to tell them this from day one. And guess what? Now they get it. Now they're starting to get it. One of the, uh, the doctors that um, sees my daughter, she just happened to be on duty last time my... So this last... This is so say a week or so ago, actually it's a week today, uh, that my daughter came in. She happened to be on duty and she came down and she could see what I had to go through with my daughter and how distressed she was and whatever. And she's like, wow, yeah, I, I get it. I get it now. Because you can describe stuff to people, but until you actually see it, you have no concept now, I would love to be able to explain it to you in great depth here and now, but I can't just to protect the privacy of my daughter. I am recording a separate podcast uh, for my... Well, it's for anybody that has a child that's going through what my daughter's going through. I won't tell you the name of it because it will tell you exactly what she has uh, right now and I want to protect her privacy. I record one or two a week of those, not daily. And... Uh, I'm going to post them at a time when my daughter is more recovered because well, as soon as I post them, my daughter can listen to them and that could be a trigger for her. So obviously, I don't want to do that. I'm up to episode, I think, 24. So I've done quite a few of them. But at some point in the future, you'll be able to... Uh, well, if you let's say you're listening to this in the future, they may have already been posted. So if you just search podcast in my name, Rob Evans, it will have another name, but it will be posted by me. So right now, at the time of this recording, I do Rob Evans 365. It's not that one. That's just my daily uh, sort of things that go on. And then there's obviously this one, uh, the Mental Toughness and Body Show, and then there'll be another one as well. And it, I'll give you a hint. It's called Families Living With, and then fill in the blank uh, so yeah if you understood it you would really get an understanding now why am I able to do it when others can't and when the doctors are crumbling around me it's because I'm mentally tough and COVID has conditioned me to be even tougher so I there is nothing that can come my way that is going to destroy me crush my spirit, stop me from doing the things that I want to do, stop me from being the dad that I want to be, they'll make me a better dad, whatever comes my way, um, they're not going to stop me from serving the people 
that I need to serve and serving them in the way that I know is best for them, I cannot be stopped. Because I've conditioned myself this way. So how do you do it? Well, you practice. COVID, I practiced every single day. And I recorded two podcasts a day, every single day. And that's when I started to say, yep, this is a time to step up, double down. Most people, 10% of podcasts make it to 100 episodes. I've now done over, with the, all three of them, I think about 2,300, 2,310, something like that, podcasts. Okay, that's 23 times more than what 10% do. There probably aren't too many people on the planet that have done more podcasts than me. So I had a couple of things that incentivized me to do it. I looked up uh, one of Joe Rogan's podcasts and it was, I don't know, I'm going to say 1,200 and something. And I thought, wow, that's so many podcasts. Now, I don't have the exposure that he does, the sponsorship, the number of listeners. But what I wanted to do was have more episodes than him. Now, I don't know how many episodes a week he does or month, uh, but I reckon I've done more than him now. The other thing I heard was that Dr. Phil had done something like 3,000 episodes. And I'm like, right, I want to do more episodes than you, Dr. Phil. And I will. I'm not there yet. I'm close, closing in on 2,500. I want to get to 10,000. Then that's a lot of... That's a lot of hours out there where I'm talking to you. So it comes down to practice, right? I was practicing my mental toughness every day. What I do, I work out. Okay, this is how I break it down to get my optimum performance. I was sick and tired of having mediocre results. I was sick and tired of not being completely satisfied all the time. And so I went through a few steps to get to where I am now. One was... I said I wanted to raise the standard in every area of my life. Um, Part of that was changing career from using my chartered accounting skills to run my business now. That was 13 years ago. Uh, Once I did that and could really see just how much I was thriving in that environment, I wanted to step back into a full-time, like dad, role. And my wife at the time, she went back to work. A few years into that, so five years into it actually, um, I really determined that you know, there had to be a better way forward in my relationship. I was working at it really hard for not just the whole marriage, but for six and a half years there, was, there were problems. And I was working what I thought was hard to try and resolve the issues. After six and a half years, I said, you know what, I'm done. And it wasn't just a case of, okay, I just made that decision one day. It was like there was work, there was discussions, there was counselling, all those sorts of things that went into it. I thought, no. Dr. Phil says, if you can stand there and look each other in the eye or look yourself in the eye and say, yep, you've done everything that you possibly can to save this relationship, to make it work, and it's still not right, then that's the time to walk away. And and so that's what I did. Really tough decision. Um, A lot of pain for me in uh, financial distress and all that kind of stuff. Having to relocate my studio, house, life, etc., you know, it's big. I went from being comfortable to very uncomfortable. But guess what? That's what helped make me mentally tough as well. And then for 
honestly, probably 18 months or so, I felt really sorry for myself, blaming my ex-wife uh, for things not working and me now having to work harder than I'd ever worked before and not having to want to do that and it wasn't fair that I had to do it. It was all stupid stuff. But that was my inner voice saying, you shouldn't have to do this. But guess what? I did have to do it to get to the other side. And in doing that, I became a way better person, for sure. And I'm very grateful for that gift in, in doing it. Oh, I was going through a rainstorm. Um, and then, after those couple of years, I'm like, okay, I, I need to become better. Why am I not where I want to be in my business? Why am I not... Uh, getting to that $100,000 a year that I wanted to be getting. I was getting close, but I wasn't there. I'm like, right, you need to double down. You need to work harder. And then it wasn't until I looked at, yeah, I then looked at my my health and my body. I'm like, I've always wanted a six-pack. Why the hell haven't you got a six-pack? Why? Because you're making up excuses. And I started to realize as I started working with my coach over these last um, sort of three years now that... I was not reaching my full potential. And my coach, JT, he, he pulled the absolute best out of me. Okay, I got the branding for the celebrities. He lit this fire within me that was so bright and I resonated with every word that he said so strongly, I thought, I'm going to do everything that he says. I'm going to change everything. And from that, a big part of it was I'm never going to make up an excuse to justify my mediocrity ever again. And then I decided that I was going to get that six-pack body. I said, what are all the excuses that you're making that are stopping you from doing that? And I realized I wasn't, I was kidding myself that I was living my optimal health. I wasn't. I was taking some shortcuts. I wasn't doing things consistently. I was coming up with a different story to myself to justify, oh, well, I'm too tired, I'm this, I'm that and the other, and I don't have the time. So I said, right, I'm going to get coaching around that as well. Got the Betch Coast coach uh, for me in that space. And then I just kept moving forward from there. And I said, I established the fundamentals for me to have, uh, pardon me, optimum health. And part of that... I changed my definition of health rather than just six-pack. It's like, well, it's no good to have a six-pack and you hear stories of people, they get up on stage in that, those bodybuilding competitions and they've got nothing left. Yeah, they've got nothing. They've got no energy. Uh, you know, some people die because they don't have... Uh, you know, they've been taking drugs and diuretics and stuff to strip everything out of themselves. I thought, I don't want to be that. I want to get to that look and feel amazing at the same time. And so I learned how to do that. And then through that process, I determined that, well, not just looking good, but feeling good with energy creates focus. And so I worked out what were those fundamental things that I needed to do. So I worked out how much sleep I needed. Uh, how much water I needed to be drinking, what were the supplements that I needed to be taking, what were the food that I needed to be adding, what was my secret formula around around that combination, uh, what did I need to be doing to grow me in terms of learning and reading and doing all those sorts of things, and I just did it consistently, and I found out by tweaking uh, what it was that did it for me. And then I started to move to the next level and said, okay, what are those next level things in terms of accountability for me that are going to take me to that next level? 
How do I just keep moving myself forward further and further and further? And I determined that I need to keep investing in coaching and keep moving to that next level of coach. So I got an interview, um, sorry, I got um, coaching from JT and then he uh, provided some introductions to some other people, highly successful people, more successful than him to get coaching. And then I started to to learn what were the key things that were making JT successful, what were these key things that were making uh, the billionaire successful and how do you link all these things together and what were the, the key takeaways from me and then it came down to building relationships which is a big thing I've done this year and what are those things that I need to be doing consistently to build those relationships effectively. What do I need to be doing every single day to make myself more and more accountable to get more done? Because I was finding that I was going through phases of I'd have a a good run for part of the week and then I'd fall away for the rest of the week. And it's like, why is that? Why am I so motivated here but not here? And I found the success principle. I found what worked and I implemented and re-implemented and re-implemented. And guess what? the results started to come. And then I realized that all of these things combined were making me mentally tough. It was the biggest one was no longer making excuses. COVID's here, so what? Now what? Was this sort of the the conversation I was having with myself. So what? Don't make excuses. Don't say, oh, well, you don't have money, you don't have this, you don't have that. So many people complain that they don't have time to exercise, for instance. But why, during COVID, did the majority of people become more unhealthy, more overweight, more obese, more health-related issues than ever before? You've got more time than ever before. There is so much information out there. Jump onto Google right now and Google free workout. I guarantee you'll find one. Google free healthy eating plan. You'll find one. Now, whether they're right or not is another question, but there's so much information out there that you can do this, and yet most people chose not to. I doubled down. Why? Because I said, so what about COVID? Now I've got time. Awesome. Let's double down on the business. Let's use the time now that you've always wanted to do these extra things. So eliminate excuses. They will serve you poorly. And then practice, practice, practice. I'm still learning about myself even to this day. Every day I review my accountability app to see what were the five priorities that I set for today, how many did I get done, how would I rate my, uh, my effort, how would I rate the outcomes for today, and that keeps me on track constantly making sure that my schedule is booked out, that I've got it filled with tasks that match the outcomes that I want my priorities for the day. Focusing more on revenue generating activities only rather than just wasting time. And practice, practice, practice. You will get better and you will become more mentally tough. Do not make up excuses. I could make up so many different excuses right now as to why I'm tired, why I need to rest, why I shouldn't go to Los Angeles next week and be completely fatigued and, and so forth. I go because it's making me better. It's making me better. And being mentally tough makes me better too. 
So if you want to know how I can help you become healthier, stronger, mentally tougher, go to mentaltoughnessandbodyshow.com. I give you a free consultation anywhere in the world. I'd love to connect with you and help you get the results that you deserve, but you haven't been achieving them yet. But you will with my help. See you tomorrow.